Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Lift every voice and sing till earth and It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good afternoon, Austin, Texas. Boy, I tell you, it's a great day. It's great. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. It's a great day in Austin, Texas, the Lone Star State. Let me tell you, we got a huge victory this week. We're able to, we, we actually went to court against the city of Austin and we filed this complaint a long time ago. This this was back in September the 1st, 2015 is when we filed the original complaint against the city of Austin because the city of Austin was denying license holders from carrying inside of City Hall. So on September the 1st of 2015, I walked into Austin City Hall to see as a license holder, were they going to follow the law, which by the way, this law had been in effect since 1995. The only thing that changed was in 2015, the Texas legislature passed a bill that actually would allow a regular citizen to bring a complaint against a city or state agency that was denying the license holder from carrying inside. So, like I said, since 1995, they should have been following the law. So in 2015, this bill passed. On September 1st, it went into effect. So on September the 1st, I walked into Austin City Hall to see if they were going to finally follow the law. And they did not. So what happened was, at the time, Councilmember Don Zimmerman came out. He said, hey, you know, so you're saying this sign is illegal? It's not supposed to be posted? I said, yes. Councilmember at the time, Don Zimmerman said, you know what? Well, let's take it down. So he turned the sign around. And took it down. Well, a couple hours later, someone turned it back around. And then a couple hours later after that, the next day, they actually finally took the sign down, the 30.06 sign that prohibited license holders from carrying inside Austin City Hall. So now we speed forward a little bit to 2016. I walked into Austin City Hall in April of 2016 to see if, you know, are they still violating the law? And what I found out was they were actually giving verbal notice. They didn't post a sign. They didn't post a 3.06 sign or a 3.07 sign. They actually decided to give verbal notice to license holders prohibiting us from carrying inside of City Hall. So then I informed them that they were violating the law by giving verbal notice and served them with some paperwork showing how they were violating the law. 
And he refused to uh, abide by the Texas law. So then I filed a complaint with the Texas Attorney General's office. The Texas Attorney General accepted my complaint, said that it had basis, and actually the city of Austin was actually violating the law. So we went to court. So Ken Paxton filed a lawsuit against the city of Austin after informing them that, hey, they needed to cease and desist from using verbal notice or sign stopping lifeboats from carrying. And they didn't want to do that. So he filed the lawsuit and to court we went. And here we are in January of 2019. We went to court last week, Monday and Tuesday. I had to sit on the stand for about an hour and testify and actually go back and forth between the uh, both sides there, you know, answering questions. And ah, they couldn't trick me up, you know, because you can't trick me up because you know what? I'm confident in what the gun laws are. I know what the laws are here in the state of Texas, so you cannot trick me. I've sat through classes with college students. I've, I've talked to, um, you know, grads. I've talked to professors. I've talked to law enforcement. I've talked to attorneys. I've talked to DAs. You know, so I've answered questions from a lot of people in a lot of different ways. So there's no way you're going to be able to trick me when it comes to the handgun law. So I answer all those questions. And let me tell you, people, honestly, when you are a witness, the best thing you can do for your attorney is when you're sitting on the stand is just, you know, they ask you a question, either say yes or no. Mm -hmm. Mr. Cargill, how about this? Yes. Mr. Cargill, how about that? No. If I want to feel a little sassy. You know what I say? I'll say, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. And that's when I'm feeling sassy. But I don't, I don't go outside of that. So I'm not going to you know, give them any more or give them any less or anything like that. I'm not going to you know, e- expand my story a little bit and let my voice be heard because that's not the time on the stand. You got to be a good witness. And that's, a hard, that's one hard thing for people to understand. Be a good witness. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. You know, keep the answer short and move on. And that will help your attorney out. So be a good witness. And we saw that last weekend as well. All right. So so then, well, I was actually shocked. I, I was expecting for Judge Livingston of the Travis County District Court to actually side against us. Instead, she found in our favor that. Yes, and this, and, and we're talking Judge Livingston. We're talking about a Democratic, uh, a Democrat elected judge in Travis County. This blue dot, the blue dot in the Red Sea of Texas, decided that you know what, the city of Austin was violating the handgun laws of the state of Texas, and they needed to comply. So, and like I said, I was shocked, shocked and surprised, and bam. You know, and people just lost their ever-loving mind this week. So all, all this week long, you know, I'm getting uh, messages on Twitter. We're going back and forth on Twitter. We're going back and forth on Facebook because, you know, people are just pretty much, you know, just shocked. You know, why are you allowing guns in our city? Oh, that's our safe space. You know, it's not your safe space. That is owned by the people. You know, as a license holder, someone who pays taxes, I need to be able to carry in there. I should be able to carry my gun in there if I want to because I'm a license holder. I'm the most law-abiding person in the state of Texas. License holders are the most law-abiding. They're the ones that are less likely to commit a crime. We've been, we've been vetted. We've, been, we've gone to the FBI background check system, been vetted through the DPS. Uh, it is a system that I believe in. And so, hey, there's no reason why license holders should not be able to carry. 
And you can look it up on the Texas Department of Public Safety's website. On their site, you can look up by year where people have been convicted of crimes. And you will see that license holders are the most law-abiding people that we have here in the state of Texas. So, I'm sorry. We should be able to carry. And so, the judge decided in our favor. And now... What I did was I wanted to see if this was going to work. I wanted to see how the city of Austin was going to comply. So I sent out a tweet at three at three o'clock. I was going to be at Austin City Hall on Thursday. And so I went there on Thursday to see what the process was. And they surprised me again. They allowed me in the building. I was allowed to walk into the city of city of Austin City Hall with a handgun, a 1911 Six Sawyer that said Molan Lobby. Mitch meant come and take them. And so I was able to walk in, you know, carrying my handgun, you know, but uh, still they're not there yet. They're getting there. They're just not there yet because they still made me walk through the metal detector. Keep in mind, people, the purpose of a metal detector is so you can detect a firearm. Well, if you know I have a handgun license, you know I can carry inside the building. Why are you making me walk through the metal detector? So I just, you know, I had to ask the, the security officer, why are you making me walk to the metal detector? Because we have to. Okay. Well, then, then they decide to wand me. Why are you wanding me? Why are you taking this wand across my body? Because you're looking for a gun. Well, you know I have a gun. They just don't get it. They don't get it. They're not going to get it, but we're going to make them get it. You know why? This is a Texas. This is Texas, the Lone Star State. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. Right. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Today, we're going to talk about, well, actually, we're going to have on the phone an instructor, a firearms instructor who happens to be transsexual. Also, we're going to have, you know, we're going to talk a little about a little bit about the city of Austin, who's still promoting those Jim Crow laws. Uh, you need to Google that if you don't know what the Jim Crow laws are. And also, you know, you just got to remember, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was denied a handgun license. So why would the Austin, why would the city of Austin continue to deny me, a black man, from protecting myself in the Austin City Hall? My goodness, you're continuing this, 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 uh, this struggle, you're continuing this route of, of Jim Crowism. We need to stop it. Uh, but you know what? I have an Austin, awesome, awesome, awesome co-host sitting here today. Go ahead and tell everyone your name. Good afternoon. I'm Melody Ryan. I'm a resident of Pflugerville. And um, I'm here to learn a little bit more about the gun laws and have several questions about things going on and happy to be here. Absolutely. And we're glad to have Melody sitting here with us today. Melody, so what are some of your questions? So where are the areas of city government or state government that you are allowed to carry gun, um, carried guns, whether it's open carry or concealed carry? All right. So pretty much, you know, if it's a state building, city, county, municipality, as long as you have a license, as long as it's not a, uh, they're not having elections, day of election or early voting, as long as it's not a government court officer utilized by the court, uh, if you have a light handgun license, then you'll be able to carry there. Or also if there's a school field trip happening. That's right. A school-sponsored activity. 
That's one of the big things with the city of Austin. They said that they wanted to use the fact that four students were doing an internship program. And because they were doing an internship program, they felt that they were, you know, they should have been able to opt out. Sounds like they're reaching. Reaching. Grabbing. What about during city council meetings? Now, during city council meetings, yes, because it's an open meeting. So it's open to the public. So let's say your U.S. congressman is having an open meeting that's open to the public. Uh, your city council is having an open meeting open to the public. They can prohibit license holders from carrying. Now, that's where in the law it says building or portion of the building. So that means that that portion of the building where that is taking place, they can prohibit you from carrying. But that doesn't necessarily mean the entire building. Okay. Oh, you got some good questions. Well, I was also wondering about how this lawsuit that you had, how the um, passage of the open carry laws affected it and went and. All right, so open carry went into effect January the 1st, 2016. And so when that went into effect, pretty much it meant that if you have a handgun license, everywhere you can conceal carry your handgun, you'll be able to openly carry your handgun. So once you have a license, everywhere you can conceal carry, you can openly carry except for a college campus. You cannot openly carry your handgun on a college campus, not even on the streets, sidewalks, walkways, parking lots, or garages. It must be concealed. But everywhere else you can conceal carry your handgun, you can openly carry and, of course, wherever there's a 30.07 sign posted, you cannot openly carry your handgun. And before that law was passed, it was called the Concealed Handgun License. And after the law was passed, they changed the name to the License to Carry. That's right. LTC. Great. Thank you. Oh, man, I tell you, I'm going to enjoy Melody in, in here because Melody's got some good stuff for us. Uh, she was listening to the show last weekend, and she did some investigating. She sent some emails out. And let me tell you, I love Melody. <laughs> I do. Well, I was very concerned about the story last week um, about Jay Alvarez. So I did the research and I found all the emails for the Houston City Council as well as the chief of police. And what that was, we're talking about the story we talked about last week where this young man was at home and uh, some invaders actually came into his house and one of them shot him in the throat. And so the Houston Police Department took nine days to respond to this or to nine days to actually go and question this guy. And also why he was in the hospital for like an entire week, he was evicted from his apartment. Yeah, so I just wanted to elevate the issue to the leaders in Houston to make sure that they were aware what was going on. I was concerned about the time that it took for them to interview the victim, whether or not they secured the the crime scene to do any investigation, you know, because obviously the property management company came in uh, while he's in the hospital, so the scene wasn't secure. And then also the concern about their threatening the victim's aunt to stop calling them because to find out about the case, because, and they might file harassment charges against them. So mm. I thought in addition to them uh, resolving this case and following upon the leads, that they also need to do an internal investigation and in how it was handled um, and the lack of response and the delay that they took to investigate. Oh, I tell you, you know, and, and that's why we're going to enjoy having you because – you know, you actually, you, 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 you did some research, you listened, and you actually went out there and said, hey, you know what? Something's not right with this, you know? And, man, I, I really appreciate that because I'm just floored. I'm, I'm in shock. I'm, I'm in awe. I really So am. I did, I, I received, the email went out to 17 people. I received two responses, one from a city council um, deputy chief of staff, and then one from an a investigator in the robbery division um, asking for additional information so that they could further research the the um, case as well as the 
the concerns about how the officers handled it. So I gave them additional information um, to help with that. Nice. I tell you, we're going to talk about that a little more uh, a little later on in the hour. But we got to get this guy some help because we're talking to young man. He's at, he's at home. And a lot of people came out with all kinds of theories. You know, he was a drug dealer. And that's not true. You know, this guy's at home where he's supposed to be um, and doing the right thing, trying to help someone. This guy comes over, brings two other people with him. They go into the house. They try to rob him, shoot him in the throat. And he literally stumbles outside he had to call 911. He had to text 911 from his Apple Watch because he didn't have his phone because they stole his phone. And he laid on the ground in a fetal position waiting for help to arrive. He stayed in the hospital for an entire week, nine days until the Houston Police Department decided that they were going to question him and ask him about what happened. Um, in the meanwhile, his apartment is being gone through by the, the apartment complex. And everything's been just tainted. Evidence has been tainted and touched and items have been stolen. And so, you know, this is something that's, it's got to be addressed. This, this needs to stop. And, and this is why people, these, this is exact reason why you need to take your own personal protection in your own hands. And no one's going to come and save you. No one's going to investigate if something happens to you. If you're expecting police to come and save you, they're not going to come. If you're expecting them to investigate that crime. It's not going to happen. You got to take your own personal your own personal safety in your own hands, all right. But let me bring into the conversation, Gina. Gina is my twenty. Hey, Gina, how you doing? I'm fantastic. How How's, are you? All right. So, Gina, tell uh, everyone about you. You know, what do you do? <laughs> Where are you located right now? Well, I live in San Diego. Um, I'm. Uh, let's see. How many things you want me to list that I am? Um, what are you? Mentioned you? I'm transsexual. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned I'm transsexual. I actually prefer transgender. Transgender, um, again. but um, I'm the president of the local law cabin Republican group. I'm a delegate to the Republican Party in California. I'm a firearms instructor, a private firearms instructor. Um, like this morning, I taught a uh, Orthodox Jewish shooting group uh, shooting. Um, it's a group called Guns and Moses, which is kind of fun. Nice. Um, I also work at uh, Frontside Firearms Institute out in Pahrump, Nevada, which is really a fun place to go. Frontside? Um, Frontside. They yeah. let you teach at Frontside? Yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's, it's just absolutely one of the funnest things to do. Is I used to love taking classes there, but teaching them is even more fun. So, And... Um, yeah, they, they accept these weird, strange people like me. Um, and um, so pretty much, you know, I'm an advocate of the Second Amendment. I run around the country, uh, um, participate in the D.C. Project, um, which is with 50 women from 50 states, uh, uh, advocating with Congress to show them another face of gun ownership. Um, I, uh, I'm about an hour and a half away from heading to the SHOT Show in Las Vegas. Hey, it's kind of like Disneyland for gun gun freaks so nice if i'd know you were gone i would have gone right hey, you know i can still get you in if you want to find an airplane flight for a million dollars i know right it is late in the, late in the game <laughs> yeah so anyways that's just kind of the uh the quick summary of me um, nice all right so uh so you're in california you're a, a firearms instructor and <laughs> and and okay I'll, I'll let you say that title one more time Trans. Oh, 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 transgender. transgender. I'm a trans woman. All right, there we go. Uh, so, what does that mean exactly? Because we have to paint the well, picture for the people that are listening some, on the radio. 
Okay. I mean, at some point in time in my life, I uh, I was uh, raised as a male and um, always has issues about uh, that identity. Um, there are some very long, complicated things that happened at my birth and things that aren't worth going into right now. But suffice it to say that uh, eight years ago, seven years ago, I decided I was tired of lying to the world and um, came out as my, what is commonly called my authentic self, which term I just, you know, it's okay, it's fine. Um, but it's just, I came out as me. So um, I, uh, that, since seven years old, knowing that there was something wrong with my existence. So, and uh, part of my gig uh, of that was I tried to do everything I could possibly do to prove how cool and male I was. So I became a world-class shooter and four-wheeler and just about pilot, just about everything I could do to spend as much money as I could and prove to the world that how good of a dude I was. And, All right, we come back um, from the break. I'm a we're going to we're, we're find out how good of a shooter you really are, uh, Gina. We're going to find out, you know, how good of an instructor you are at front sight. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk. Come and Talk. Peace, this is Maj Toure. You're listening to Come and Talk at Radio with Michael Cargill. Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so today we're talking with Gina. Gina's from California. She's uh, the president of Law Cabin Republicans um, out in California there, and she's transgender and a hand, well, a firearms instructor. And you know what? That, that gets me all excited. I love my firearm instructors. <laughs> And so, Gina, you know, you're telling us about yourself, and we got a couple of questions inside the studio here. Okay. So, I was wondering, how old were you when you got involved in learning how to shoot or learning how to use handguns? Um, well, I first started shooting at scout camp at about age 10, and um, I mostly used rifles through um, high school. I was on a rifle team in high school. I was on a... Um, both a 22 and a 30 caliber rifle team, so shot a lot of high power. Eventually, uh, one point in time, went to Camp Perry a couple times. I didn't do spectacular, but didn't do bad. I took one of the first AR-15s there. Um, back in the day, there was two of us on the line with an AR-15, and now it's kind of like the gun to shoot at Camp Perry. Um, and um, I've shot competitively in three-gun, um, bullseye pistol, 50 caliber, Pretty much everything, um, everything except skeet. I've never, never really shot trap or skeet. I use a shotgun and three gun, but that's uh, kind of a little bit different sport. Um, in fact, my friends make fun of me of how bad I do at, uh, at sporting clays because I try to use the really expensive sporting clay like the shotguns, and I end up going out and getting my tactical M, Benelli M4, and I do way better with my tactical gun with a short barrel and no choke on it than I do with a you know, really first-class sporting clays gun. So it's it's funny you say that because I can't, you know, I can't shoot cl- shoot sporting clays either. I'm good with the AR. With the, I'm much, I'm I'm actually great with an AR-15 uh, or an AR. I I'm not as I'm okay with the pistol, but I'm really good with ARs. That's that's my forte. Uh, and and I want to remind everyone, want to remind everyone, our call-in number is five one two five four three two two eight four. That's five one two. 
512-543-2284, which means 512-543-CADDY. Come and talk it. Yeah, speaking of guns, is there a difference between transgender and transsexual? Well, transsexual is kind of an old term. Um, there's just, you know, it's kind of the, the lexicon has just kind of evolved. And, um, you know, transsexual is a perfectly acceptable word. Uh, transgender generally covers a wider spectrum um, than just uh, transsexual is purely permanent change, you know, which I am. I got no problem. But I just prefer the word because it's not about sex. You know, the whole transgender thing isn't about sex. It's about gender. And gender and sex mm -hmm. are actually completely two different things. You know, a friend of mine, uh, I'm going to say this and probably won't get you in trouble, but, you know, uh, transgender or gender is what you see in the mirror, who you are in the mirror. Sexual is who you want to get slippery with. So it really doesn't matter what gender you are, you know, whether you're gay or lesbian or straight or whatever. <laughs> try try figuring that all out when you're transgender, you know, so I was a straight male. Now I'm a lesbian woman, you know, so it's kind of, it gets confusing. So I prefer the term transgender because it is a change in gender, not necessarily a change in sexual preference. So that means you, that means you like women. Uh, well, you know, I kind of, you know, it's funny. One of the commercials you had was about erectile dysfunction. Well, that was a problem <laughs> for me my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have I have two natural kids and another uh, adopted one, and um, I'm actually still married to my spouse, but we're separated. Um, and um, you know, I I definitely prefer women over men. So sorry, Michael. But uh, <laughs> but um, you're just breaking yeah, my heart. Just, you're just hurting me. I, right I know that. You know, I, I bailed out on you when I didn't come to the Republican Party. Yes, you ran, there, you ran and, for me. You can't run for me. <laughs> I, I heard how cool you were, and I just couldn't stand that you showed up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You had a question? Uh, yeah. So um, do you offer classes that are geared towards women um, who might be, you know, a little intimidated about learning how to, to shoot a weapon? Yeah, um, I, I generally work for, with women. I, first of all, my goal in life, my, my passion is to teach women how to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and the way I tend to do that is I work through um, two different, actually three different women's groups. A Girl and a Gun is my favorite. That's out of Austin, right outside of Austin. Um, uh, a Well-Armed Woman is another great group run by Carrie Lightfoot. And um, Shoot Like a Girl, which is, uh, I think that's the right name. Just run by Karen Butler, and um, they're all just phenomenal groups. So, you know, I shot for years and years and years in the male world of, of shooting, and uh, did really well. And uh, but the difference in the um, how you're treated and how you're absorbed, and and just the women are just cool to be with. You know, when especially in shooting, and they're so grateful. The first shot smile is worth everything that I throw into it. You know, it's like people look at you and go wow, I've never, I didn't think I could ever do that. I've been lied to my whole life. And uh, so it's really kind of empowering to me just to see that. Um, so generally what I do, I, I teach full-time. When I work at Front Sight, that's, that's kind of my full-time teaching job with the whole thing. My favorite thing to do in town is to um, tutor people, mentor people, um, get 
take them out for their first shooting experience. And then I usually turn them over to one of my local friends that has, that actually makes their living um, as an instructor in San Diego. Cause it's just, it's more fun for me. And I'm an, I'm a, you know, fairly well-paid engineer when I work. And so I just assume they be able to earn a living and, and provide, you know, provide this service for people. And I vetted them. I know they're great with women. And uh, in fact, several of them are women. And it shift works out very well for me just to break them in, get them very comfortable with shooting. Because quite honestly, there's nothing natural about setting an explosion off 30 inches in front of your face. <laughs> and getting your body to not react negatively to that is a huge step. So if I can help somebody get over that scary, I like I worked with a lady today that every time a gun went off in the indoor range, she jumped. So, I mean, every single time. And by the end of the day, by the end of the 30 minutes I worked with her, she was like, oh, the gun went off. Wow. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Big difference, you know. So, And she was nailing the target, which she wasn't doing when we started. And um, so, you know, it's just kind of give people, hold their hand a little bit and say, you know, because a lot of women, women are fun to teach because they don't come into the game thinking they know how to shoot. Um, Teenage boys are the worst because they've spent all sorts of time on video games and they think they've got it dialed in. They don't. Uh, but with women, I've never, ever had to prove to them that I knew how to shoot. Teenage women, or teenage boys, almost every single time I take them out and teach them, you know, you really ought to work on your trigger press. You really need to work on your grip. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they'll do the same stupid thing again. And so almost every single time I need to okay, just stop for a minute. And then I shoot like a 1.1 second headshot and they're like, oh, well, maybe she does know what she's talking about. And then all of a sudden they listen. I don't have to do that with women. Um, women just, you know, they oh, this person wants to help me learn how to shoot and I'm starting from scratch and, you know, I'm, I just love doing it. It's, uh, you know, kind of, kind of one of my main goals in life. So how often do you have to practice shooting um, in order to become proficient? Um, well, I'm trying to get super proficient. I'm trying to go for my uh, combat master, hang a combat master at front sight. And that's insane times and, and crazy, you know, crazy accuracy. Um, so I, I generally practice one, two or three times a week. But if you don't have to go to a range to practice, um, you know, dry practice is often way more, effective than than live practice because the one thing if you if you do a lousy trigger press when you're dry practicing it is so incredibly obvious that you really can't go oh yeah um i missed that because the sights were missing no no you missed that because you slapped the trigger and um so it, it just working at home on a in a quiet room unloaded gun uh good backstop you know um is probably as or more effective than going and shooting live. When I go to when I go shoot live, I generally shoot three or four or five ma- three you know three or four or five magazines, and that's it. I go I go home. You know I'll shoot 50, 60 rounds because um, first of all, if you're ever in a gunfight, really the only two rounds that count are the first two. You know if you have to present your weapon and and protect your life, your first two rounds into the thoracic cavity of the bad guy are the ones that need to count. Um, you know, and occasionally a headshot is going to be your first shot. So you really need to prepare yourself and practice so that your body automatically presents the gun the same way every time. 
your, your eyes come to the sides, you press the trigger perfectly, and you get a perfect hit. Because one of my favorite things to tell people is nobody ever won a gunfight by missing quickly. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's just a, an axiom. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I can blast away all day long. And, you know, you don't hit anything, you lose. So, Gina, do you find that women in general are better shooters than men? <laughs> Can I uh, take the fifth on that? Um, <laughs> generally, I, I, I find them to be... Uh, ex- men have a little bit more body strength, and, and that helps. It helps some. But I'll tell you, some of the women I shoot with, the three-gun and stuff, uh, you look at Diana Mueller and some of those people, they are just plain amazing. And, uh, you know, you, there's this big, horrible thing going on about whether transgender people should compete with cisgender people. And let me tell you something. The first time I considered, oh, I'm worried if I should go, you know, compete in the women's league, I got my ass handed to me in a sling. They shot so well. And I was like, cool. <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> and... Uh, so, um, I mean, they're just really, really good. They're incredibly, it's just, it's all about practice. It's all about doing what you need to do to get as good as you want to be. For me, I'm now, you know, I'm in my 60s. So, you know, my goal is to beat myself every time I shoot. So the last time I shot, that was my benchmark. This time I need to shoot better. And then I want to help new people get into the, into the um, not to say industry, into the sports, into the, the fun of competition. And I'll tell you, Women's competitions are a blast. They are just, you know, you shoot good, you get all sorts of really nice hugs, and people really appreciate it. So it's really All right, so we're talking with Gina. She's our transgender instructor, one of the awesome instructors out of the state of California. She treats at, she actually teaches at Front Sight. We're talking with her about, you know, her experiences, you know, different things that she teaches. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hey, this is AWR Hawkins, Breitbart News, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Talk 1370. This is for that little child with no father. For that man that doesn't have a place to stay Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, we're talking with Gina Roberts. She's an instructor out of uh, California. Uh, she's with Law Cabin Republicans. And I want to ask you, Gina, you know, how does that yeah. feel, uh, feel being in the Republican Party and being transgender? <laughs> well, actually, it's been remarkable. Um, I'm uh, not only, a, you know, in the Law Cabin uh, Republican you know, president, which is the LGBT wing of the Republican Party. Our uh, party is chartered by the uh, state party. I'm the vice chair of the state organization. I'm a central committee member for San Diego County. It means I was elected by my uh, district. Um, 14,000 people voted for me. Um, I'm a delegate to the state party. Um, I can honestly say that my reception within the Republican Party has been 100 percent better than my reception as being a Republican has been in the LGBT community. Oh, wow. Without a question. <laughs> and, then, and then what I about... I hang out with the Tea Party people. <laughs> what about the Democrat Party? 
Well, that, uh, I, pretty much that's kind of defines. I mean, they, they think I'm a turncoat and, a, you know, selling myself out. I'm sure you've never heard that problem before. <laughs> um, the, um, you know, that I'm, I, I've been called transphobic, homophobic, uh, racist, uh, just about everything by the local Democrat. Yeah, it's I'm, funny. Um, yeah, we, we, I, we get I have all those a, words like misogynist. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, I'm massage. That's I'm a misogynistic, transphobic person. That's this is kind of. I'm, I'm just kind of scratching my chin, going, "What the heck do they mean, or do they really know what any of this means?" Right. But uh, no, the Republican Party's been great. I mean, there's a few people. The um, the uber religious right has got issues, and um, I, you know, I deal with that by being with them, or talking with them. I. Uh, make it a point to attend all the local tea party meetings that I possibly can um, to the point that if I'm not there now, they go, where's Gina? She's supposed to be here, you know? And, uh, you know, I generally even speak at their, um, their state convention gatherings. So um, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of been very enlightening and uh, it's very shocking people. And the, the, I know a lot of Democrats, I'm actually, um, I have a board to run uh, our local um, parade, and I'm the only Republican on the board. <laughs> and gee, who's in charge? I wonder who that might be. Now, anyways, uh, we don't want to go there either. But um, so it's just my reception of the Republican Party has been nothing but phenomenal. Um, the uh, chairman of the uh, San Diego Party is a very devout Catholic and. Um, had very big issues years ago with uh, Prop 8 and, uh, and same-sex marriage, but he has now become quite uh, the proponent of the big tent theory, you know, that we are the party of freedom, and we need to get everybody um, working together. And uh, I've been, like, preaching that since I was about 12, but um, it's a different problem. Right. Okay. So do you think that by getting to know you personally, that they have changed their views of LGBT people? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, our, uh, there's a lady that started, that was very active in the local log cabins, a lady named Susan Jester, who was phenomenal at breaking into that community. And I just kind of followed on her footsteps, but I, I can't tell you how many people in that world that I was the first trans person they ever met. And, um, and then they realized, wow, Gina's just as conservative as I am, except a couple of issues. Hmm. Maybe we can work together. And it, it has been. It's been uh, phenomenal because I very much, my biggest commitment to the LGBT community is to be who I am wherever I am. And uh, I don't hide who I am. I don't, you know, I'm, my son would put it the best. He said he watched me when I was I kind of did pre-transitioning in Texas and I spent three, six weeks in Texas living as who I wanted to be. I figured if I could pull it off in Texas, I could do it anywhere. And uh, <laughs> it was actually amazing. I, he was suffering from PTSD and I went, took him to gun shows. I helped him get a CCW down there. And um, he said, I'd walk into the most, any situation in the world and act like there was absolutely nothing wrong. And people would look at me like, Oh, this is different. And then they, kind of give you that weird look. And then I'd pick up their product and I'd start asking questions about it that indicated that I knew more about their product than they did. <laughs> and he said, it was just funny watching that whole BS just disappear, you know, and then they focused on what we were really talking about. And uh, that was a very enlightening thing for him to tell me. It uh, really helped me out in my, in my path that I was taking. So. 
All right. Awesome. And so, Gina, tell us, you know, how can we reach out to you? You know, how can we find, you know, like log cabin Republicans in uh, in California and San Diego? Um, well, the best thing is we have a, um, um, a Facebook group uh, for log cabin Republican San Diego chapter. Uh, I'm revamping the um, website right now because uh, it was interesting. Everybody on my board was involved in the stop the gas tax um, thing that we did uh, with Carl DeMaio, who happens to be a gay conservative talk show host in San Diego, who happens to be considered by many to be the most influential person in California Republican Party. Mm. Hmm, think about that. Anyway, um, they they helped. They did a lot of work on that, and we basically kind of decided that the state proposition was way more than working on any local stuff last year, and uh, it, it turned out to be the right decision. We didn't win that because of some shenanigans in Sacramento, but uh, we got a huge amount of uh, ground, grassroots support built up. Um, he's got a body, uh, Carl DeMille's got a body of uh, people um, to support you know, the right, the right side in my terminology. But, um, so yeah, the Facebook page is the best thing because I've kind of fallen behind it and keeping that up to date. And, um, uh, that's the best way to get a hold of me or email me. All right. And then my if we, email's on there. And if we want to get some instruction, you know, we want to go to front site, we want to get a private class with you or get a, a group class together. How do we find you? <laughs> you laugh when I say, um, you laugh when I say a private class, didn't you? <laughs> oh, I, Gee, for you, I'd come to Texas. Uh, um, that we're talking. But uh, I'm actually a partial resident of Texas, so it's kind of fun. The um, best thing to do is email me. Um, I don't know if I want to give that out over the air, but uh, <laughs> I can give it to you offline. All I'll right. email it to you. Um, and, um, or, and, Michael, you have my phone number. So, I do. Um, but for Front Sight, the best thing to do is to uh, go online, uh, sign up for um, you know, create an account and, uh, there's about a hundred different people, a thousand different people that have front site memberships for sale oh, wow. from anywhere from a hundred to a thousand bucks, depends on what you want. Um, and, uh, it's worth it. It's a lifetime membership. Uh, you can take all the classes you want. All you have to do is get your lodging, your food and your, buy your ammo and the construction is free, you know, you, or you can go to front site and pay $2,000 for a four day class, or uh, you can find somebody and buy a membership for a lot less than that. So right. it's a phenomenal value. All right, folks, that's Gina Roberts. Uh, she is a uh, awesome fireman instructor out of California that happens to be transgender, you know, oh, well, whoop-de-doo. And so great fireman instructor. So definitely if you want some instruction, you know, you, you're don't like the instructor that you have now? Go to California. Get it from Gina. She knows what she's doing. She can help you shoot. Yeah, and then and then we'll ask about your sanity about coming to California. Because yeah, because because we're gonna have her back on the show and we'll ask her uh, on another show. You know, when she had you know post surgery, did her shooting proficiency get a little better? <laughs> All right, Gina. Thank you. Thank you for coming on this weekend. Certainly, Michael. Great to talk with you, and uh, thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, so um, and, and then we had that shooting down in Houston, right? So what happened in Houston? It was a home invasion. Yeah, home invasion. Another one. 
Yeah, five guys broke into a house. Five guys. Only two left Sounds alive. like the hamburger place. Yep, only two actually walked out of there. <laughs> only two survived? Yeah, three now got that's brought a homeowner. I like that homeowner right there, boy. That's how you protect your house. Mm-hmm. That's right. What kind of gun do they use? They use I have a, no idea. Man, I wish they, I hope they use an AR-15 with 30 rounds in it. Let me tell you. That's how you defend your house. Someone comes and they try to break into your home, five guys, boy, you let them have it. I'd use a shotgun, personally. I wouldn't use a shotgun. I'm not I trying would. to tear up my walls. I want to use an AR. <laughs> I want to run them out of that house. Boy, I want to send them running for the devil, boy. Let me tell you. They chose the wrong house. Oh, they did. <laughs> did you read it? No, I'm. but, you know, one of the things when we were talking about security, security systems is what what's a good deterrent you know sometimes having signs you know i've seen seen some some stickers on doors and and things like that so um they didn't do their homework very well on deciding <laughs> which uh which house to break into then so, look at that bumper sticker on the car yeah so that was the wrong house so then the right house would be the home where the homeowner doesn't have any guns mm, that is correct the unarmed homeowner the that's unarmed. the right house to rob that's right the unarmed homeowner that's the smart house to rob <laughs> <laughs> the smart house <laughs> oh man okay so uh the mainstream media they're just doing their best to ignore a story that contradicts their partisan narrative about civil rights uh, in this case the deep blue city of austin that's right Austin, Texas, has been fined $9,000 by a judge for infringing on the civil rights of an African-American. And let me tell you, the champion of said victim was the deep red state of Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. That's right. So Ken Paxton came to the rescue. He filed this lawsuit. And I tell you what, we slapped the city of Austin with the $9,000 fine. And now license holders can carry inside of Austin City Hall. All right. So what makes this story all the more delicious for conservatives is the civil rights in question, the Second Amendment, um, is that a Travis County judge has ruled that the city of Austin violated state open carry laws when it blocked a licensed firearms concealed carry holder, which is myself, Michael Cargill, from entering City Hall. But you know what? Uh, we prevailed, we won, and we overcame. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Keep your change. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.